What ho, podcast pals, and welcome back to Discontent Provider, the show that, as yet, has no strong views either way on insurance brokers, mattresses, or personalised artisanal gin distillers. Tis true. Until moved from our lofty indifference to such matters by general inducements provided by perpetually smirking PR bods, Arkham and I couldn't give the proverbial tuppenny fuck if you choose to assemble your dinners from the freshest pre-portioned ingredients delivered directly to your door, or eat out of your neighbour's bins. Of course, that could change at a moment's notice, and should the leafy refuge we refer to as our happy place become inundated with jargon-spouting lick-spittles of the high-end wireless airbud manufacturers and or the less reputable cryptocurrency concerns, uh, we'll espouse their causes with the same vim and flair that we bring to our weekly dispiriting trawl through the doings of those that would presume to rule, guide and eventually destroy us. And we could, too, because unlike certain people who we choose not to dignify with the name Nigel Farage, my morose pal and I still have access to a more or less functional bank account. Now, admittedly, the discontent provider coffers might echo with a mournful hollowness around the end of each month, but uh, to date, I've never tapped a terminal to pay for a packet of Wilco brand meaty chews for the lad, with uh, my ticker slamming up against the front teeth at the prospect of the beeping machine telling me to sod off. Of course, it isn't seemly or becoming to gloat, and I would be the first to admit that the passable imitation we do of solvency is almost certainly ascribable to the fact that our political views are perfectly aligned with those cabalistic, bearded neo-Marxists that are notorious for running high street banks. Nor is it in any way amusing, diverting, or in any way a fearful lark to have a respected and outspoken adornment of the not notably United Kingdom's political landscape debanked for their opinions, leaving them in the unenviable position of being, to all intents and purposes, an unperson. Ah, but the fates can be cruel and fickle, can they not? At the tail end of last week, Monsieur Farage was riding high on wings of triumph, having scooped a prestigious TV award of which almost definitely some people had heard. Yet, within a matter of a day, those self-same wings had become the molten wax and scattered feathers of Icarus's sun-scorched flappers, as he was plunged into a hitherto unknown world in which he became a school untouchable, unable to buy the merest packet of cigarettes or camel-hair British warm overcoat without first having scrabbled around the couch cushions in order to scrape together the necessary ready cash. It has been observed that I have a perhaps regrettable taste for the extended metaphor and for using hyperbole to make sport of the vicissitudes of our betters, but I assure you, cats and kittens, on this occasion I do not exaggerate. Here, if you can, the heart-rending testimony of the lad himself. Quote, But think about it. Without a bank account, you effectively become a non-person. You don't actually exist. It's like the worst regimes of the mid-20th century, like Russia or Germany. Unquote. He also said, quote, I, 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 don't have a, I won't have a debit card linked directly to my account. I won't really be able to exist and function in a modern 21st century Britain. Unquote. Powerful stuff, it must be said. 
Of course, a certain amount of drama and impact of Monsieur Farage's Jeremiah could be said to have been diminished by the fact that he has been issuing some of these woebegone statements while enjoying a sunny, jolly hole in France. Uh, perhaps he has an unusually accommodating travel agent, one who is happy to receive payment in the form of old sweetie jars filled with 20p pieces, the kind my grandpater used to hoard in his sideboard. Now, theories and alleged whistle, uh, whistleblowers' tales abound at this point, of course, and it is not for a mere podcaster, or even the world's greatest lurcher, to litigate the matter, when uh, so few flat facts are readily available, other than those given to us by Nigel Farage. Uh, the key point here, Cats and Kins, is that despite his travails, our boy Nigel does seem able to exist and function, if not in 21st century Britain, but at least in 21st century France. I'd say we can all take a measure of comfort in that, eh what? Just as we can in the fact that there are, saints be praised, those in the Twitter sphere with the simple basic humanity it takes to, with commendable enthusiasm, offer their hard-earned doubloons in order that Monsieur Farage might be able to, on some level, participate in society. There are days, are there not, where the thin, flickering candle flame of hope can still be just about discerned midst the darkness, and so say all of us. During his cash-strapped travels, dear Nigel managed to, uh, with a tweet about visiting the graves of those who died at, at Omaha Beach during the D-Day landings, uh, remind me that this week also saw our American chums celebrating their Independence Day. And, uh, and given uh, that too is as much an article of faith among as many as uh, is Nigel Farage's trustworthiness and probity, it got me thinking about how people come to believe things even in the face of facts or evidence. Ask people, what is Independence Day all about? And while a few wags might say, yeah, Will Smith knocking an alien on its slimy tentacled kyber, I think it's fair to say that most will tell you that July the 4th, 1776, was the day upon which the Declaration of Independence was signed, essentially freeing the people of the New World from the oppressive yoke of British imperialism. And already they'd be batting on a sticky wicket. Yes, yes, Arkham, I know. And yes, podcast pals. I, I do know full well that a baseball reference might have been more appropriate at that juncture. But, uh, well, I know bugger all about American rounders. and uh, But at least I have the becoming candour to admit that and not embarrass either myself or any of our US listeners by trying. Well... I don't know. I, I know that bases can be loaded, but in all honesty, I, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. I, I suppose it depends upon which team one's on at the side. But uh, beyond that, I'm, I'm utterly fogged. Uh, so uh, let, let's just leave that aside. Uh, anyway, the point I'm driving at here is that the Declaration of Independence, as splendid and elaborate a fuck you, you crazy German bastard, as has ever been written to a monarch who never actually read the damned thing, was uh, not signed on July the 4th, 1776. No, that date marked the issuing of the document by the Second Continental Congress, made up of representatives of the 13 colonies, but uh, the, uh, the uh, ink-dipped quills didn't start scratching the parchment until August the 2nd of that year. 
And I think I'm right in saying that the last signature wasn't appended till early in 1777. Uh, but, you know, even if the uh, required uh, flourishy copper plate had been laid down on the 4th of July, however, it would uh, still have taken several years of bloodshed and hardship until American independence was unequivocally won. It was the Treaty of Paris in uh, 1783 that finally saw the Britishers acknowledging that their colonial cousins had screwed them to a point that was untenable and the free nation of America was internationally recognised. So, and uh, this is what has long puzzled me. Why, why not have the big do, the fireworks, the national holiday and whatnot, on the anniversary of that? Not to do so, I've often thought, would be uh, like celebrating VE Day on the anniversary of Germany's invasion of Poland. Were you to ask me, and if you're still ploughing through this nonsense, I have to assume at least some curiosity as to that on your part, I'd suggest that it's all about a simple, inspiring narrative. Why dwell upon the internecine squabbles, the betrayals, and the complexities and corruption that are the background noise of all wars, a noise that is often even more destructive than the thunder of cannons and the crack of muskets, when one can concentrate on the stirring notion of some periwigged gents pretty much ending oppression with a few pen strokes? Now, I'm not, I hasten to add, knocking the Revolutionary War or those that waged it here. Uh, no apologist for British adventurism in this happy place, I assure you. Rather, I'm pointing out that the story is, as is so often the case, more important than the facts. Millions of US citizens celebrate their freedom on the 4th, but the reality is that for the bulk of Americans, very little changed on the day-to-day uh, level with the change in management brought about by the war. Certainly, there were volunteers, uh, militias and minutemen stirred into patriotic frenzy by the desire to rid themselves of British shackles. But there were also thousands of ordinary punters who were conscripted into fighting against the Redcoats who would never see any real benefit from their efforts. Stone me, for all the red, white and bluery we hear on Independence Day, it wasn't until 1828 that American men, men only I should add, without property were allowed to vote. And it would not be until 1971, if I've uh, read my history correctly, until every adult American citizen was allowed to cast a ballot. Apparently, no taxation without representation was a a slow-acting principle, shall we say, in the land of the free. So, at many points in the nation's history, one imagines that many will have observed, meet the new boss with wooden teeth, same as the old boss, with a funny German accent and a penchant for talking to trees and dabbling his spittle on the walls of his palace. Uh, But really, why dwell on such painful subjects? Isn't it enough that the Liberty Bell was rung, history was made, and the cruel English overlords were, more or less, sent packing with their tails between their legs on July the 4th, 1776? A simple, stirring tale with no upsetting loose ends, eh what? And who can resist a narrative with a happy ending, even if said ending is only the beginning? And of course, we see it happening even now. Look at the Russia-Ukraine mess. It's not an invasion, according to the Russian government. Rather, it's a noble endeavour to denazify a rogue state whose totalitarian government are shitting on Russian-speaking cousins. Who wouldn't take up arms to free those to whom one are united by a shared love for the rich black soil of the motherland? 
Similarly, many in the West are keen to overlook the various perceived treaty infringements and the creeping expansionism of NATO forces that may have helped to provoke, or at least provide some spurious justification for, Putin's actions. Because it's really all about freedom and democracy, ain't it? You know, like it was in Iraq. Now, once again, I have to make something clear here. I'm not pro-Putin. Frankly, I think he's a colossal fuckstump and about as corrupt and self-serving a dictator as one might ardently hope never to meet. Nor am I a fatuous swallower of anti-Putin propaganda disseminated by the CIA and their affiliates. I came to that conclusion based on historical observations that, frankly, nobody gets to run a country for 20 years or so unless they're a colossal fuckstump and about as corrupt and self-serving a dictator as one might ardently hope never to meet. Now, deep down in the decaying wasteland of my withered and cynicism-ravaged heart, I think that marching into another country and uh, trying to lay down the law is simply not on. But that's not the point. The point I'm making is that just as the Americans choose to celebrate the beginning of a war rather than the ending, what really counts, and for all I know, always has counted, is a simple, easily comprehended and regurgitated narrative. As Mr. Ron Perlman is wont to observe at the beginning of the Fallout video game series, war never changes. I can't do the voice, but you know, you get the impression. So, having divested myself of whatever wisdom can be gleaned from the foregoing, I rather fancy that it's time Arkham and I were off for another week. A little older, and a little sadder perhaps, but not as sad as those blinking back tears as they sign up for a Kickstarter account for Nigel fucking Farage, eh? So, you know, that's something. We'll see you next time, then. And in the meanwhile, uh, don't forget that uh, you could help a cockeyed old folky and his dog out enormously by liking, subscribing, and sharing Discontent Provider with anyone with even the slightest interest in topical balderdash with a song at the end. As ever, you have my assurance that all views are expressed here are simply my own and should be used for entertainment purposes only. I've done my level best to source all facts and quotes from reputable sources. And what podcaster can do more than that, eh? That'll do it then. Come on, old top. Let's leave them with a song, shall we? From the Silver Fox and the Black and White Dog. Cheerio. Gather round, countrymen, I'll tell you a tale about blood, glory, honour and land. You can be a part of it, you can make history if you're willing to lend a hand. It's gonna mean sacrifice, it's gonna mean tears, but just think of our national pride. And let one thought eradicate all of your fears, almighty God is sure on our side. Somewhere out there's an unspeakable foe, but when you crush him you're all gonna be free. There's a place somewhere that you've never heard of, but you love it with all of your heart. Tyrants and usurpers are despoiling your birthright, so take up arms and go to your part. Then the bad is where the good is simple as that. What else do you need to know? Those of you that come by will be greeted as heroes. Oh, how I only wish I could go! By the way, I heard they called you all cowardly bitches who couldn't win a war if you tried.
you might hear people saying it's all about oil, about resources that we're not going to share. But it's sovereignty, it's just as it's sacred soil that's making us send you over there. Ignore the vile rumours about lucrative contracts and how my company sold them tanks. Just go do your duty and when you come home you'll get a medal and a few words of thanks. Rest assured it's a just cause and there's no fucking way they're being told the same damn thing. 